Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. For anyone who has been in the faith for even a short time, you know what it can be like out in the world. There is judgment and criticism around every corner. There are days when you think hiding your faith from others would be easier. Today, Pastor Jim admits this is a reality for all of us, but offers some perspective. This is nothing new. There have been those seeking to destroy your faith and replace God since ancient times. So when you feel that pressure, know you're in good company and that you can overcome it. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he begins his message, Guarding the Gospel in a Modern World. 2 Timothy is one of the three pastoral epistles where the Apostle Paul provides apostolic and pastoral wisdom to younger pastors. 1 Timothy and Titus were written earlier, but 2 Timothy is written from jail in Rome shortly before the Apostle Paul is going to go home to be with the Lord. As he comes to the end of his life, he knows that he is going to be executed, and yet he continues to call Timothy, his protege, if you will, this young pastor, and all of us to the work of the ministry. He he passes on the responsibility to guard the gospel and and not to be surprised if we suffer for it, that there will be difficulties in this, and we're starting to experience that in our own country. The Apostle Paul was excellent at holding attention that every pastor and really every Christian needs to hold, but the pressure is on all of us not to hold it. The tension, true for all of us, is to be aware of the times in which we live. And some Christians find that very easy to do, to be very much aware of the times in which we live in. But the other side of the coin is is to stand firm and to hold the truth of the Word of God. And there's other Christians that find that easy to do. The difficult part, the hard part, is to do both is to hold the tension, being aware of the times and being aware of the word of God. And as we say around here, bringing the word of God to bear upon the times. You know, where we say we don't drag the Bible into this century, we drag this century back into the Bible. And so the Apostle Paul is the master of that. And he teaches us throughout the Bible how to do that. And so I've entitled tonight's message, Guarding the Gospel in a Modern World. Guarding the Gospel in a modern world. After encouraging Timothy to develop and use his ministry gift, where we left off last time, he challenges him in verse 8 by saying, Therefore, 2 Timothy 1, verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Now, isn't it very interesting that he calls himself the prisoner of the Lord, not the prisoner of Rome? He doesn't even really regard them in any way. But share, and then some versions say, join with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to, some of your versions say, relying on the power of God. So here in verse 8, he walks us right out of verse 7, which said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And so here the apostle Paul calls Timothy to two things that every committed follower of Jesus Christ is going to need to face up to in this world. One is to not be ashamed of the gospel, 
And the second thing is to share in the apostles, the apostolic sufferings or the sufferings of Jesus. Now, it seems to me the Apostle Paul often tied his own sufferings to Jesus' suffering, yet the fear of suffering for Timothy is real. The fear of suffering for all of us is real. Let's be honest about that. And like today, the the idea of a crucified Savior was foolishness back then, and it's foolishness to a lot of people these days as well. And when you're around people who think it's foolish, it's easy to be silent, isn't it? So it's something we want to be very much aware of. So first he says to him, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What what does that mean in our terminology? It would simply mean this, be willing to speak up about our Savior. Be willing to speak up about our Savior. I'm not saying we shove it down people's throats, but we have a general, nice conversation about such things. And now some people would say, well, you know, this is how I think about Jesus. I find it very hard that the Apostle Paul is talking about our inner experience and how we feel and what we think and, oh, la, 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 you know, I don't think that's it. More so the facts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we have to be honest about something in our culture right now for us as followers of Jesus. And if you're here with us, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're watching online, listening on the radio. You're not a follower of Jesus. We're glad that you're with us. But in our modern society, many people now mistake our faith for a political agenda or a political idea. And that's sad. And that's really, that's on us. We're going to have to get out there and we're going to have to be better about communicating that idea, which is Really kind of interesting because so many of the cities vote in one party and the suburbs vote in another party or different parts of the country, but many of the cities have a lot of churches in them. But such thinking pits Jesus against a lot of conflicting and competing modern ideologies. And, you know, we live in a country where a lot of people just want to feel good all the time. And, and that's not really what happens in the gospel. But if you want to, we'll talk about that in a bit. If you want to change the gospel, you can help people to feel good about themselves and you can draw a huge crowd. And the question will be, is the Lord pleased with what you're doing or not? And we will get to that in a bit. So Mark 8.38, Jesus says this, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite name for himself, will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So if we're, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, you're probably not really a Christian, I'll be ashamed of you. And let's be honest, the temptation to be ashamed of the gospel or the ashamed of our faith or shave the truth is real. I mean, people do it every day at work, at school, at home, with their friends, and sometimes even at church. So yet for the Apostle Paul, it's very interesting. Uh, The Apostle Paul's like, well, I'm here in prison because of Jesus. But it's not Jesus who per se physically put him there. It was Caesar because he, he was there because he was a prisoner of Christ. And why? Because Caesar claimed to be Lord. And what was Paul's message? Jesus is Lord. So that's what? That's insurrection. That's insurrection. So fear may seem to be causing Timothy to shy away from his association with Jesus, who was crucified. Jesus was crucified by Rome 
for high treason. When the Jews took him to Pontius Pilate, he said, this man says he's a king. They said, oh, we have no other king. The Jews said, oh, we have no other king but Caesar, perhaps the biggest lie ever told in the Bible, <laughs> right? And they hated, they absolutely hated Caesar, but they would say anything to get Jesus killed. And so the Apostle Paul was also a political prisoner, and maybe for Timothy it was risky to be associated with him and to be associated with him, like for all of us to be associated with the Lord, with, with the apostolic teaching, we need the Lord's power. He ends it, says, but, you know, sufferings for the gospel according to or relying on the power of God. So if we want to join the Apostle Paul in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we can expect to join the Apostle Paul in some of our sufferings for the gospel as well. And I think for a long time, Christianity has had it pretty easy in the United States of America. That seems to be changing rather rapidly right now. And perhaps the fact that we've had it so easy, that's led to all the fluff. And so we need to really realize that maybe God is, wants to really challenge us in our faith. And the Apostle Paul reassures Timothy and all of us that our suffering can be endured how? In the power of God. It's right at the end of the verse there. If you have your own Bible, you might want to circle it. You can endure the suffering in the power of God, not in your, of yourself, but in his power. That will be the source of our power. That will be the source of our bravery. That will be the source of our boldness. The Bible teaches that God supplies strength in our weakness. When we are weak, he is strong. When we say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to say. I always just tell people when you don't just say, when someone talks to you like Nehemiah did with the king, just throw up the arrow prayer. Lord, I don't know what to say and open your mouth. (laughs) And you'll be amazed sometimes how much you really have been banking in your spiritual heart over all of these years of learning the word of God. So when you suffer for the gospel, don't rely on yourself and don't forget the power of the Lord is with you. Can I say that again? All right, I want to say that again because I don't want you to bank that one. When you suffer for the gospel, and just if anybody finds out that you even go to church or you have a Bible or, or you believe in Jesus, don't rely on yourself, but don't forget that the power of the Lord is with you. So telling Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel is very, very important because for us, we might say, it's the same for us of, of don't be ashamed of saying you're part of the church. In America, a lot of people associate church with faith, and they might want to say stuff like, you know, what does your church believe? Somebody asked me that yesterday. They were probably a little sorry they asked me, but uh, actually they weren't. They, there was three of them, and they listened to me. I was like, okay, this is cool. And so, you know, when we get to verse 15, which will be next week, Lord willing, we will see that a lot of the apostle Paul's co-laborers deserted him when things began to get a little bit rough. And that's very characteristic of a lot of people. And others wilt under the pressures of others. Many of us are silent. And others just say, well, I don't want to make waves. We don't want to make waves. And, you know, the apostles, they made waves. Again, we're not, we're not nasty about it, but we just want to do, tell people the story. And you'd be amazed how many people actually really want to know. They just don't know much about it. And, you know, sometimes we here at the church, we go through what I would consider to be, in our study on Sundays, 1 Corinthians 15, we, the first message 
was just such a basic message on what the gospel is. You know, that Jesus lived, he died, he rose from the dead, and, he, and a whole bunch of witnesses saw him. And you think, oh, well, everybody knows that. And person after person after person emptying out going, I never heard that before. Or I heard that before and I never knew what it meant. And so we assume that people know things because we know things, but that is not the case at all. And the Apostle Paul says that we suffer together once again in the power of God. In other words, we suffer together, but we have with us the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who both empowers you to speak to people and will sustain you in a lot of the difficulties that you face in your life. And a lot of times, Maybe you're not so aware of it when it's happening, but sometimes I don't think we do very good at reflecting on things that have happened. A lot of times we move from one crisis to the next. Do you ever do that? It's just like one crisis, next crisis, next crisis. Or God even answers a prayer. And before we even have time to thank him, there's another crisis. And maybe that's why it's a good idea to keep a list of things you're praying for. And then when something's answered, you'd be amazed. You go back a few months later and you're like, wow, that's taken care of. That's taken care of. That's taken care of. Oh, I shouldn't have been worried about that. Can't believe I stayed up five nights in a row. Couldn't sleep about that one, right? And so God had that the, the whole time. So rather than be ashamed of the gospel, we should be, Paul would say, we should be proud of it. Look at verse 9 and 10, talking about God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now watch this, not according to our works. Do you realize what he just did? He just buried the good person theory right there. You know, all the people who say they're going to heaven because they're good people, he just buried it right there. It's just gone, okay? Okay, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So he's saying that there was an eternal plan long before any of us were born, that this is the way God was going to work out salvation in the world, and he knew, right, what was going to happen. Verse 10, but now has been revealed in the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he says here, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's a fact, it's not like he's like, oh, this is kind of, I kind of think it works this way. That's a fact that God has called us into the kingdom by what theologians call divine agency. Sometimes we call it the effectual call. Sometimes we call people to believe, and some people say, I believe. Other people go, well, maybe I'll come back next week and see if you can do better next week, Pastor Jim. And other people leave here and go, that guy's nuts. Other people leave here and go, I don't believe a word he said, but he believes it, right? There's a whole bunch of different reactions to it. And so a follower of Jesus has been by divine agency called into the kingdom of God. And the Apostle Paul wants every single one of us, not just Timothy, every single one of us to be confident that God's power is expressed in saving and calling us, or let's reverse it, in calling us and saving us. And what he says here is so simple. He just says, he saved us. It's like we overcomplicate so many things that are in the Bible, and it's just so simple. He saved us. So he, he, Jesus called you and converted you, if you're a follower of Jesus, with a holy calling. That includes the Holy Spirit 
enabled and empowered new way of living. Because he could have just said a calling, correct? But he didn't say just a calling. It was a holy calling. So again, this is a way that the Holy Spirit will call us into the kingdom and yet change us at the same time. This is life visibly lived differently. And so we, we need to start living our lives differently. It is a life lived in close relationship with God. Possible why? Because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then putting our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God sends the Spirit of Jesus to live inside of us. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. And then as we go through the Word of God, if you will, God pastes the Word of God on our hearts and on our souls, and we begin to change year after year after year. And so then we become more like Jesus I know most of us wish the process was a little bit faster, but the problem is, if he did it all like that, would you need God anymore? No. Did you ever notice that God just always keeps you in that place where you need him? <laughs> just, he just, you're, like, you're like, I'm getting good at this thing, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not getting good at this thing. I can't tell you how many young men think they're really good at living for Jesus, and then they get married. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I'm not so good at this thing. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, you know, they're like, my wife tells me I'm selfish. And I'm like, oh, bro, we all knew that. (laughs) And so who says God doesn't have a sense of humor? So salvation, though, it's important for us to remember, is far more than just the forgiveness of sins. It seems like that is the message that we're now preaching to everybody, that salvation is just the forgiveness of sins, which is weird because half the world doesn't think that they're sinners, more than half that. And in verse 9, though, he includes holiness. And in verse 10, he says, life and immortality. Perhaps we need to remind one another of this on a regular basis, that salvation is a lot more than just the forgiveness of sins. Salvation is the totality of what God does in the life of his people, both individually and collectively. The Lord forgives us of our sins He makes us righteous in his sight, and he begins transforming us. He begins changing us from the inside out. Now, some things happen quickly. Some things happen a lot slower. And then at some point in time, he decides, we don't know the day or the hour he does, he brings us home. Now, that seems like we're going to go into hyperspace in terms of the way we change, and that would definitely be the case. But please notice this again. Very important. Saved not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. That is such an important statement. Such an important statement. It's one that you should really have in your Bibles ready. Take your Bible and certain things maybe on the back cover or the back page or something like that, you know, and just have texts for people who say, right? And you would put it under this one, they will go to heaven because they are a good person. And just read it to them. I just say, unfortunately, and a lot of them will say they're Christians, and they'll just very kindly say to people, would you be surprised to know that you disagree with the teachings of Jesus and the apostles? And the apostle Paul said, I got my teaching from Jesus. We covered that before. And from his first letter, which we believe was the book of Galatians, most people believe it's the book of Galatians, to his last letter, which is this one, 2 Timothy, the apostle Paul always taught we are saved by grace through faith. 
Now, there's a lot of unpacking. I'm a believer in what we call progressive revelation, that the apostles were learning more and more and more as they go along, but that was always his message. We are saved by grace, not by works. It is a gift. It is a gift from God, okay? And then we are not saved by works, but Ephesians 2.10 teaches us we are saved unto good works. So if someone says they're saved and there is no good works in their life and there is, there is no growth in their faith, they should think, maybe we would even suspect, that they perhaps may not be members yet of the kingdom of God. And this being saved by grace through faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the foundation of the gospel And it is often the most misunderstood part of the gospel. I mean, people are like, so I just trust in him and follow him and I'm in? Yeah, that's it. Now, it is the miracle of the new birth for sure. But over time, you will begin to see the evidence that God has done this. A lot of people think, well, I just say a prayer and I'm in. No, People say to me, meet him at the door, and they're like, well, I prayed with you today to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Am I saved now? And I go, we'll see. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who who God does the miracle of the new birth. I have no idea what's going on in people's lives or people's hearts or anything like that. But the fact that people have difficulty understanding that shows you the power of spiritual blindness. Because if, if, just think about this for a second. If you went to heaven by, going, by being a good person, why in the world would God send his one and only most beloved son to be bludgeoned on a cross for you? It makes absolutely no sense. You're smart people. We have to use some logic with people and, and just say that to people. If that was the way, why would God do that? It would make no sense at all. And so the people debate, is salvation of you by being a good person or of the Lord? The Bible is crystal clear. It is only of the Lord. So let your feelings follow the facts. People have various feelings about things, but we need to let it follow the facts. Because when it comes to salvation, God is the initiator. He is the one who initiates it. Human effort cannot obtain the gift of of salvation. That's why we need to tell people the story, and that is basic Christianity. If you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe any of this stuff, this is basic Christianity 101. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some people don't like what I just said. Some people don't. I'm looking around to see who doesn't. No, I'm not, okay? Some people don't, don't like that. I love it. I love it. You say, why would you love it? Because it gives me peace and assurance that my salvation depends on Jesus, not me. <laughs> like, I, that to me is like, where are you going to get a better deal than that? Right? He takes the punishment, I get his righteousness. He takes the punishment, I get heaven. That's like, there's, there's nothing better than that. It's a free gift that we, and I don't even like the word accept. I like the word we just receive it. We just receive it. There's nothing we don't, I, like, oh, I'll accept that. No, I don't. I'll just receive it. Just, just give it to me, Lord, please. And so 
It depends upon him. Now, some false teachers, and this is always at the back of a lot of the Apostle Paul's letters, they get your eyes off of being saved by grace. A lot of you have come from churches, both in our church and those that we hear from, where you're just taught that it's all about what you do. It's all about what you do. That is not true. That is not true. Do we serve the Lord out of motivated by grace and gratitude for what he's done for us? Absolutely, 100%. But we don't get to heaven by what we do. And some people are constantly walking on eggshells, like if I make a mistake, right? I knew this guy, he used to always say to me, hey, Jim, how you doing? Are you still saved? I said, yeah. And he completely fell away from the Lord, completely fell, because he always felt like he was messing up all the time, and God was so mad at him all of the time, he could never rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, do we sin? Yes. But what did 1 John 1, 9 tell us? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What, do you think he's lying to you about that? Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.